Hello and welcome to Newsbreak. I'm your host, Nick Steffens. Getting into today's top stories, in a regular session Wednesday, December 28th, Mount Pleasant City Council voted down an amendment for increasing home occupation signage size. Following a motion in second to approve the third reading of the amendment, Mayor Steve Rimhall asked if there was any discussion. Ward 2 Council Member Bob Griffith said, I'm not sure why we are changing the ordinance. We had one person talk about changing the ordinance and he was cited for violating the current ordinance, he said. Tim King, owner of King's PC, asked the council to consider changing a city ordinance pertaining to allowable size of signs in residentially zoned areas. According to court documents, the city of Mount Pleasant issued King a notice of violation of city code for two large banner signs outside a house on the 600 block of North Lincoln Street. The notice states that the signs violate the city code, which reads, no signs other than un unlighted sign not over two square feet in area, attached flat against the dwelling and displaying only the occupant's name and occupation, shall advertise the presence or conduct of the home occupation. King's sign measured two by 16. At a November City Council meeting, the Planning and Zoning Commission recommended an amendment to the ordinance, which will allow for signs up to four square feet. Throughout every reading of the proposed amendment, no one made a recommendation in favor of the size used by King. After discussion, the council voted. Jeff Batty, Terry McWilliams, and Steve Engberg voted for the amendment, and Griffith voted against. According to Mount Pleasant City Council's meeting procedures, at least four eyes are needed for passage. With Griffith's no vote, the amendment did not pass, and the ordinance, which allows home occupation signs in residential areas up to two square feet, will remain the same. Children from the Washington's YMCA's before and after school programs spent some of their winter break piling into a 15-passenger van and delivering meals on wheels to residents of Washington on December 27th and 29th. Washington Y Meals on Wheels co-director Jolene Circa said the service had long been provided by the organization, but that getting Y kids involved was a seasonal tradition. Our clients enjoy seeing the kids come to the door with a bag, she said. Some of our elderly people, maybe they wouldn't ever get to see grandkids or maybe their grandkids don't live in this area, so it kind of helps fill that void. Kids on the delivery route brought food to doors along with gifts made by hand for the recipients. They help with the Meals on Wheels as far as maybe drawing or, or Christmas cards or making some tiny little gifts, Circus said. Each child makes one and then we insert them into the little gift bags that we give clients during the holiday season. Why kids took turns bringing food to the doors on roughly 30 meals on wheels per recipients and Washington City limits the range of the service for the area. One year after skyrocketing 29%, the average value of an acre of Iowa farmland jumped another 17%. The nominal value of an acre of farmland is again higher this year than any point since Iowa State University began surveying values in 1941. When adjusting for inflation, the 2022 average value surpasses the previous inflation adjusted record value set in 2013 for the first time. Values in Washington County are were 11,515, up from 10,332 in 2021. Farmland values in Iowa have increased more than 50% in a year, a handful of times since 1941, most notably in 2011 when values rose 32.5% and last year when the values rose 29%. While inflation was a major factor that drove the increase last year, Wen Dongzong, an associate professor of economics and faculty official affiliate of Center for Agriculture and Rural Development at Iowa State University said it did not play as much of a factor as commodity prices, limited land supply, and low interest rates through summer 2022 did this year. Zong, who is responsible for conducting the annual survey, said inflation rates this year are similar to those from last year, 
but the Federal Reserve has used aggressive rate hikes since this summer to curb the problem. While he noted higher interest rates put downward pressure on the land market, the effects typically don't show up in land prices for another one to two years. While the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates, Zong said 81% of our farmland is fully paid for, so the higher interest rates don't always affect farmers' lands, uh, purchase, farmers land purchasing decisions. This is especially true when high inflation makes the real interest rates negative or low, which tends to incentivize, incentivize more borrowing and investment. Furthermore, a significant portion of respondents said cash on hand was a positive factor influencing land values. And for the first time, this year's survey asked respondents views on current farmland values. Zong said the 70% of respondents feel current land values are too high or way too high. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll have the weather and sports. Since 1905, Kelowna Cooperative Technology Company has helped our community stay connected with the latest advancements in clear, dependable telecommunications services. KCTC provides rural Iowans with access to high-speed fiber internet, as well as phone, television, computer repair, and cybersecurity solutions. We're also proud supporters of local organizations and area schools within the community. KCTC, keeping Kelowna connected. Capper Auto Group, we put our customers' needs first and understand that everyone is as different as the vehicle they select. We offer new Ford, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, and Ram vehicles in a friendly environment that puts you in the driver's seat. When it comes to service, we maintain factory-trained technicians and competitive pricing. The Capper Auto Group still believes that service after the sale provides the best customer experience. Come see the Capper experience for yourself. Hospice isn't a place, it's a type of care that focuses on living. Servicing a seven-county area, the Hospice of Washington County staff of nurses, social work, hospice aides, spiritual and grief support, volunteers, music and massage therapists are able to provide free end-of-life care where the patient lives. We write wills, give consent for organ donation, but rarely is there a plan for what we would want the final phase of our lives. At Hospice of Washington County, we encourage our patients to be in charge of their health care decisions while maintaining quality of life. Hello and welcome back to Newsbreak. I'm your host, Nick Steffens. We have the weather and sports coming up. First, obituaries. Larry A. Pokey West of Westchester passed away on December 28th at the age of 81. The family will be present to receive friends from 1 to 3 p.m. January 1st at the Jones Indian Funeral Home. Carol Mae Davis of Fairfield passed away on December 15th at the age of 83. Funeral services will be held at 11 a.m. January 2nd at the Prairie View Church in Ollie. Fremont Funeral Chapel is in charge of the arrangements. Madeline Mary Chandler of Fairfield passed away on December 21st at the age of 98. Celebration of life will be held at 11 a.m. January 7th at the Fairfield Community Center. Benefit Funeral Home is in charge of the arrangements. Sandra S. Dalziel of Ainsworth passed away on December 28th at the age of 80. Celebration of life will be held at 10.30 a.m. January 3rd at the Jones and Eden Funeral Home. Mark R. Schaefer of Fairfield passed away on December 17th at the age of 73. Mass with Christian Burial will be held at 10.30 a.m. January 6th at St. Mary's Catholic Church. Benefit Home is in charge of the arrangements. That was obituaries. It is now time for the weather. 
The weather is brought to you by Jacqueline Ariola LLC. Come visit Jackie in her new location downtown. She is ready to serve Washington and the surrounding community. Today, temperatures have unfortunately dropped back down to 38, but there will be a bit more sun than we had yesterday. Looking at the weekend, it will be 42 and cloudy tomorrow. On Saturday, temperatures will stay in the 40s with a high of 44, and there'll be mostly cloudy skies. There's a 70% chance that we will start our work week with some rain, and the high will be 50. The rain will continue into Tuesday morning, and it'll be 47 with a low of 27. We're gonna take another brief break, and when we come back, we'll have sports. Federation Bank is a locally owned bank providing award-winning customer service. We believe that we are more than just a federation of banks, but a federation of communities, serving Brighton, Richland, Wellman, Washington, Iowa. Federation Bank's highly skilled staff is here to make sure you are able to accomplish your personal and professional goals, whatever they may be. Federation Bank, your family bank. Family owned and operated by Andy and Sarah Ross, Ross Auto has been your vehicle repair and maintenance headquarters since 1935. We specialize in all makes of cars and light duty trucks. With our variety of available services, let us help you keep rolling and your vehicle operating efficiently. Services include general auto repair, alignments, brakes, fuel injection, and more. Schedule your appointment today at 319-653-5656. That's 319-653-5656. Tammy takes the time and has the personal interest in each one of us. I don't worry about what's going to happen because I know my policy is taken care of. She pulls what I need and puts it together, which is the program I get from her. Every year she calls around September or so and says, there's changes again and I'm going to do the best thing for you. It's been perfect. She does a great job. Hello and welcome back to Newsbreak. I'm your host, Nick Steffens. It is now time for sports. And now, sports. Brought to you by Fairway. The final boys basketball day of 2022 saw New London hand Moravia its first loss of the season, and the Southeast Iowa Super Conference North Division leaders continue to roll. New London beat Moravia 73-59. The Tigers came into Moravia to face an undefeated Mohawk squad that had won all of its previous seven games by 27 points or more. New London, however, was too much for Moravia as the Tigers won the first three quarters. New London led 19-17 after one period, 37-29 at halftime, and 62-47 after the third horn. Moravia outscored New London by one point in the fourth, but by that time it was too little, too late. Danville beat Cardinals 69-30. The Comets couldn't defeat Danville in a game between former SEISC South Division foes. In the first non-conference game between the two, Danville led 21-5 after one quarter, 36-13 at halftime, and 63-24 after three quarters. Danville guard Caden Gurley scored 23 points to lead all scorers. Number five, Waco beat Lone Tree 72-29. Waco continues its unbeaten streak with a blowout win over Lone Tree. 
the Warriors led 20 to 8 after one quarter, 46 to 16 at halftime, and 64 to 18 after three quarters. Hunter Hughes had a monster game for Waco, scoring 28 points and leading the team with seven steals on the day. Colton Lichty finished the night with 13 points, and Cody Graber led the team with nine rebounds and four block shots to go along with his five points. Winfield Mount Union beat Highland 69 to 34. Winfield Mount Union stayed one game behind Waco and tied with Hillcrest Academy for second in the SEISC South with a 5-1 record. Highland, on the other hand, still is looking for its first win of the young season. That is the news for Southeast Iowa. I've been your host, Nick Steffens. This has been your news break, and I will see you next time.